Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Matt Cruz on the podcast. Thank you, bro, for being here. Thanks for being here. I was on the first one. Yes, yes. So people don't know this. Matt was on episode one. We had a clip we were going to play. It's so cringe. I'm like, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> With all your phone pieces. Yeah, in the dude, I had I had the most scuffed mic. I had nothing set right. My gain was maxed out. Like All the settings were wrong. I was using a little webcam. Uh, we all start somewhere. But I remember that. Episode one, Matt Cruz and Brandon Gatson, and then my brother, who for many of you, he's just the laugh in the background, but he's actually a real person. I love his he, laugh. There's his <laughs> laugh. There he goes. So the laugh in the background, who's my brother, he was on the podcast as well. So if you type in Revival Lifestyle Podcast Episode 1, you're going to see a young Matt Cruz, a young Isaiah Saldivar on there. And you were you were in the very beginning. So you weren't like, oh, I want to be on in Friends because your platform grew, which happens and it's all good. Yeah. But you were there since before I even started. We've known each other since 2017-ish. Yeah. 2016-ish, late yeah. 16, early 17. Uh-huh. So like around eight years now, we've known each other. And man, you've just been such a solid brother. You've been consistent. You've been just no going back to the world, no backsliding, no back and forth. You've been solid going after God. I'm super excited we we're able to get you here on this podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. I honor you, bro. I love what God is doing in your life. I love your testimony. I Come think on. a lot of people probably on my a broadcast don't know it. So tonight we're going to go into his testimony and then we're going to be sharing some points on how to witness to people, how to share your faith. Cause at the end of the day, every single one of us should be sharing our faith. If you don't know, we all should be sharing our faith. So I want to talk about that, but I wanted to first say, man, I honor you. I appreciate you as a brother. Is there anything you want to say to the people? And then we'll jump right into it, bro. I honor you. Most people don't know. Isaiah has been an inspiration to me for so many years and the way he connected us was so genuine, so organic, and we've been connected ever since. So yeah. it's an honor to be on here. I've been following your journey since the beginning. Before it blew up on social media, I remember we were in Wisconsin together Yeah, at uh, this pastor's house, and you were talking to me about what God has placed in your heart with social media. And literally what I heard, it just to see it all come to pass today, everything coming to fruition is beautiful. It's so. cool because when people, I, I before I started social media, I told them, I'm going to do this and we're going to reach these people. People were just like, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. And so now looking back, like it's easy to look back and see the hand of God in our life and yeah. go, oh, look at what God did. But it's hard in the moment before God does what we see him do now. So we could all look back at our testimony and say, God was there. God was there. God was there. And this is a word for some of you. But when you're in the trial or when you're in the struggle or when you're in the middle of the prophetic word or when you're in the waiting room, I think a lot mm. of people always say their faith dies not on the operating table, but in the waiting room. <laughs> so they're in the hallway and they're like, Lord, you know, we always teach people worship when God opens the door. But I'm like, we need to worship in the waiting room. We need yeah. to praise in the hallway. Come on. So I spent years in the hall- hallway, in the waiting room. God saying, you're going to reach millions. And I'm like, uh, there's like a couple hundred people showing up at a, a small church in Manteca. Yeah. And I'm reach- going to reach millions. And I kept seeing you're going to reach millions not knowing it wasn't physical stadiums it was digital stadiums Mm. and this ties right into your testimony because at the time which we're going to go into you were literally reaching millions of people when no one else was it was like no one was doing online no one was going viral at Mm -hmm. the time especially for the christian world so you hit some crazy algorithm for the kingdom god elevated you you reach hundreds of millions of people Mm. and i told you when i met you i said you're like a digital billy graham and and i love (laughs) billy graham because billy graham reached that millions in person, yeah. but we're, we were reaching like, well, we are now, but we were, you were reaching millions in just one day. 
Crazy. Like the the viral, uh, the ability to go viral on social media with the gospel is powerful. So I want to go into that because they all know you from the holding <laughs> your phone. Hey, it's Matt Cruz here. I'm in the parking lot. This lady just got healed. Mm. That's what really set your ministry in place. Yeah. But before that, who is Matt Cruz? Talk about how you were raised and how you got to that moment where you're in the parking lot and you're getting like 50 million views or 40 million views or however many crazy views you got. Let's start with how you were raised and then we'll just kind of move from there. Yeah, um, I'm a PK, pastor's kid. Hey. Um, my parents, shout out to my parents. They're watching right now. Love you guys. Um, they did a phenomenal job, man, of raising all of us in the ways of the Lord. I'm the youngest of five, so I'm the baby of the family. And I just remember getting dressed up in my little suit, doing my hair, going to church. All I knew was church mm. growing up, baptized at four years old. Um, I used to memorize so many scriptures. My parents used to own a detail shop, okay. and I used to be there all the time. And my mom's like in her office she had this large cabinet and it was filled with post-it notes of just scriptures. And I would memorize like all of them. Um, our pastor, my parents are the senior assistant pastors. Okay. So um, our pastor would bring me up. I would stand up on this chair and I would close out every service with a benediction mm. for years. And so, man, I was heavily involved in ministry. Myself, all my siblings, um, we've encountered God at a young age, experienced his goodness, his power, seen miracles in the church. Um, and they would ask me to preach. My siblings would preach, uh, and I just, man, I felt like that wasn't my thing. I actually grew up rapping, like Z. Shout out to Come Z. Come on up. Z's here, by the way, guys. He's here. He's here. He's in the, in the back. He's Love in you, the Z. Building. We'll have him jump on uh, and I saw you do rapping after. Last week, that was fire. Um, I, I grew up just doing. Don't ask me to rap, though. I can't. I, that grace is lifted. <laughs> yeah. Only a, we don't want to grieve the spirit. We, we don't, don't want to grieve the spirit, especially if Z's in the house. But uh, yeah, I just grew up rapping for Jesus quoting scriptures, um, and man, that's all I knew for years. Mm. And when I was around 17 years old, man, I just became very lukewarm, very timid, uh, very shy. They would literally ask me um, to minister for the youth, like my brothers, and I would literally run in the bathroom, and I would hide. I actually one time was so full of anxiety. I was Nobody even knew this. I was crying in the bathroom. Wow. Uh, it got to the point where Pastor Dan will call me up, to share the benediction, I started sharing it backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> My brother probably remembers this because he's making fun of me after. But uh, I would share it back. I would just mix up my words. I became so shy to just speak in front of a crowd of people. And Pastor Dan, would he would still try to call me up. And I remember ducking. Everybody would stand when he would close out the service. I remember ducking for so many years, actually. Mm. I would act like I'm tying my shoe and I would just... <laughs> right, when he says, everyone stand, it's like, yeah, oh, my shoe's untied For again. years, I would just act like I'm tying my shoe. I would duck, and people were looking at me all, <laughs> all weird, and I just did not want him to see me like, like I just wasn't there. Mm. And I would just dodge him for, for so long because uh, this fear gripped my life. And 17, I just kind of drifted from the youth. Um, I would go to youth group on Mondays. We'd go to church on Wednesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. We would have choir rehearsal. I mean, I would, you name it. We had a ministry called Hard Knocks, Beating on Buckets. <laughs> like, I was involved in every ministry you could think of. And shout out to Lighthouse the, Church of All Nations. Shout out to the covering. Bucket Ministry. Shout out the to the Bucket ministry. ministry. I think I still have one of those buckets in my closet. That's awesome. That's actually stealing. I need to, let me confess that in front of everybody. First Lady Linda, I'm going to bring that back <laughs> soon. I still have it in my... Uh, years ago. Yeah, it's been like 15 years. But anyway... Um, involved in, in heavily involved in ministry and 
uh, 19, I, I worked for a police department. Hold on, I want to I back up because a lot of people listening think that their testimony isn't powerful or God can't use them because they didn't have a crazy drug experience. Like yeah. last week we had Zion. Z has a crazy testimony of God bringing him out of drugs, saving him from overdoses, like on the street, just crazy testimony. We had a girl on recently that had the most dark testimony I've ever heard. And she's mm. a friend of ours, a worship leader at the church, just incredibly dark. And then people that have a testimony like you, where you're like, I was raised in church. Yeah. People think that, that you can't be lost if you were raised in church, mm. but the person raised in church that drifts from God is equally as lost as the person that was on drugs or the person that was in the occult. Mm. So your testimony, the beauty of <laughs> your testimony is not what God brought you out of, it's actually what God kept you out of. Come on. And I wanna tell some of you watching that think, oh, if I don't have a radical, crazy drug testimony, God can't use me. I pray over my daughters, and this sounds funny to say, but I'm like, Lord, I pray they have the most boring testimony ever. Yeah. I pray my daughters get up on stage and go, I was never in drugs. I was never, I never drank. I never was involved in ungodly relationships. I never mm. was in the world, but God's keeping power sustained me. Yeah. There's, there's power there. Like last night I talked about in the book of there John. Is. John 17, Jesus' prayer is, Lord, keep them. He says this mm -hmm. to the Father. He says, I've kept them. You have gave, gave me 12. One of them was the son of perdition, Judas. The Lord, and Jesus says he, he was lost, but I kept the 11. Now Jesus tells the Father, I'm, this is Jesus' prayer. This is one of the best chapters in the Bible. Mm. Jesus says, I'm going to leave now. I've kept these 11. And he says, Father, would you now keep them? Yeah. And that's such a crazy thought that God has the power. And I just feel the Holy Ghost all over, my, all over me. But God has the power to keep us. Mm. Like keep us from, and then this is what Jesus prays. He says, Lord, keep them from the evil one because the devil wants to take you back to the world. The devil yeah. wants to have his way with you, but God has power to keep our kids. And I mm. pray that over my kids, Lord, keep my girls, keep them from the world. So you, you of course, went off, we'll talk about, but I, I just want to stop and talk about the keeping power of God because mm. your parents are in the chat. What a beautiful testimony yeah. that you're able to sit here and say, I was raised in a beautiful home. I was doing the benediction as a kid. My dad was a pastor. And for those of you watching that could relate, you say, I don't have a testimony. You do have a testimony. Your yeah. testimony is God kept me out of the drugs and the Come partying on. and the vomit and the drinking and the overdose. Like, praise the Lord. I don't know why we glorify However, the worse your testimony is, the bigger platform you get. Yeah. It's like, no, let's let's start raising up people that have no testimony other than I was raised in church yeah. and God kept me. And so I, I want to just point out that you were equally, though, starting to get into the world. You started getting out. And I want to note this. You leave the church. Mm. This is what the devil does. He wants to get you out of the church. He right. wants to get you out of the fellowship of God. So talk to us now. You're at, you just went off with 17 around. You're leaving the church. What happened when you started leaving the church? Yeah, I just left like youth. I stopped going to uh, the chosen youth choir. No one really knew. Like I just You drifted. guys were in a Christian church, chosen youth choir, buckets yeah. for Christ. So I, I was there it. on Sundays. My mom would smack me if I stopped going on yeah, Sundays. But I love uh, that. Uh, she'd be, she would even text me somehow knowing that I'm late to service. Like, you know, worship starts at this time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, man, I remember drifting from all of the activities, all of the ministries I was involved in. And uh, again, I was never a terrible kid, but just kind of, I was always involved in sports, but I, I was hanging around friends who were uh, atheists, you know, uh, people who just smoke weed and mm. drink. And thank God he kept me from that yes. lifestyle because of the prayers of my my mom and my dad. And shout out to all the parents out there. Listen, man, I'm a product of prayer. So yes. I'm a witness of what prayer can do. It opens up the door and, and just invites the power of God to, to manifest in your kids' lives. So 
Parents, if you're watching right now, live or on the replay, continue to lift up your kids, man. I'm telling you, God, his hand is on them, and it's only a matter of time where they'll start following the ways of the Lord and being filled with the Spirit of God and, and on fire. So, man, I just, I can, I can recall going to house parties in high school and me being there and friends of mine looking at me and saying, Matt, you don't look like you'd be the type to come to parties like this, or why are you here? And I'm like, man, my mom's praying for me again. <laughs> you know, I can remember being young and heard, you know, calling my siblings, like, I know where you are. Put that down and get home Come right on, now. Like, mom. shout out to all the discerning moms. My mom and my dad were just discerning people. And, uh, and honestly, I'm convinced that their prayers really formed a measure of covering over my Come life. On. And so I... I really just, I dodged so many bullets, man, not getting in that lifestyle of, of uh, drugs and, and alcohol. But, man, I just became a lukewarm believer. I, was, I found myself going through the motions of Christianity. And the Lord had to reveal to me that there's a difference between being saved and Jesus actually being Lord of our life. Come on. So many people claim to know God, but they're denying him by their actions. Mm. They claim to be uh, saved. They claim to be a believer, but they're not an actual disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can be in a relationship with God and not be committed to him. Yes. You know, there's so many people that are claiming to be in a relationship with God, but they're not nurturing that daily devotion. So that's where I was. I had no prayer life, no word life, uh, and just was a lukewarm Christian. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said lukewarmness um, is like saying, God, I believe in you, but you just don't excite me. Wow. And so many people, man, you're a believer in God, but you've lost your excitement. You've lost your passion. You lost your joy. And man, you got to get that back. And it's really just surrendering your will for his will, your agenda for his agenda, your plans for his plans. And when you get to that place, man, God just, he takes the field. He sits in the driver's seat and, and man, it's honestly the greatest joy I ever experienced. And so that came by meeting a guy named Adam. Okay. Uh, He was new to our church. And I remember this guy, he got real tight with my brother, Dylan. Shout out to Dylan. He's on here right now. Just got ordained as a pastor about a year ago at a church. Uh, But he became real tight with my brother. They were hanging out. They invited me to a bowling alley. And uh, I just wanted to see what this dude was about. So I I started the conversation with him. And uh, we had a lot in common. We both wrestled in high school. Uh, We both had, we were interested in the same things. And he asked me to uh, work out with him. I said, yeah, we we have a gym in our basement. Why don't you come by? like next week and we could work out together. And um, he came on by and I'll never forget, bro. I was on that bench press in our basement and he looked at me while I'm working out and he says, Matt, I'm not really interested in a workout partner. I'm really looking for a prayer partner. Mm. And I was like, what the heck? Dude, this dude's weird. Stop, <laughs> stop talking to me while I'm, <laughs> yeah. while I'm benching. Like, this is odd. Yeah. So I just thought it was weird at first, but then I, I just, I had this conviction. Mm. I said, Man, I don't have a prayer life. I don't remember the last time I read my Bible. I'm, I'm living a lukewarm, compromising life. And, and I thought to myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing. So he would come to my house every day, and we would pray with each other. I'm talking about like nine hours. It would feel like 30 minutes. Wow. There was a point where we didn't even leave my house for days. Wow. And we would pray for so long. I would experience angels in, in our basement uh, just like walking past me like I could just really experience the tangible manifest presence of God and one of those nights we were praying I felt this stirring in my belly I I couldn't understand what it was I mean (laughs) this is pretty cringe but I remember lifting up my shirt in the mirror and I'm like what's going on in here like (laughs) something's I felt these just rivers of living water at the time I didn't know it was that 
just stirring in my belly. And I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, open up your mouth and begin to pray. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't really know how to pray like that. I, I felt like he was telling me to speak in tongues. I'm like, I don't know. I've never spoken tongues in my life. I, the only thing I know about tongues is 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom putting oil on my forehead, <laughs> praying in tongues, you know, out loud in the church. And so I never experienced that before. And I was wrestling with the voice of God in my mind. And Adam's on the other side of the basement praying in tongues, like for 30 minutes straight. And I just remember he, he said out loud, he said, Matt, I just hear the Lord saying, listen. And I got, I just got freaked out. I'm like, oh man, like that was my confirmation God is speaking to me. So at that moment, I just felt led to just try. So I said, I don't know what I'm doing. So I know what he's telling me to do. Let me just, let me go after it. So I laid my hands on his shoulder and I'm like, what do I pray in my mom's tongues or what? Like, mm. I just remember the words she was saying. So I tried and I was so nervous that it just, it, nothing happened. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. So he goes upstairs and, and, uh, and I followed right behind him, not to the bathroom, but just in, <laughs> in the hallway. And that was, so I had this just Man, it was like an adrenaline rush type feeling. I was like, man, I feel the power of God. Like something's about to happen. The moment I walked upstairs, the power of God hit me, and I began just speaking in the language of heaven. Come on. And I no longer was timid. I no longer was shy. I just remember this holy boldness just uh, coming on me, this courage, this confidence was infused within me, hope infused within me. Wow. And I just was like, I remember even moving my hands like this and I'm praying in tongues and I'm like, I had this authority come on me and everything that kept me bound just lifted. Mm. And I said, oh my goodness, what just happened? And the moment I stopped praying in tongues, Adam comes out of the bathroom and he looks at me and I'm looking at him and I said, bro, I think I just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's like, praise God, let's go back to prayer. So we prayed all night and that honestly revolutionized the course of my life. After That's that, amazing. I was just, man, I was out in the streets, grocery stores, telling everybody. Yeah, we're everybody. gonna talk about that. Don't speed up too much here because we're only like 20 minutes in, but I wanna talk about the tongues experience you had. There's a lot of people right now in the church that are speaking against tongues, which to me is so scary to do. Like you're literally talking against what the Holy Spirit's doing in people's life. Mm. And like you, I had only heard tongues one other time in my life when I got, when I got it. I think oftentimes people think the Holy Spirit's just going to take you over. For me, I had that type of experience because I was, you know, an, athe an atheist, quote unquote, minutes before. But I had this experience where the Holy Spirit came over me and I started speaking in this unknown language that I didn't know what it was. And mm. at the time, I didn't think of like, oh, well, when I was really little, I remember my mom praying in that one time because that was the only thought I memory I had of ever tongues before. Yeah. So this was a language I was not aware of, didn't know what it was. I was trying to cover my mouth because my girlfriend was next to me but it was so life-changing. And every time I hear people have this experience, and this is for all of you uh, cessationists in the chat, those of you that think, well, tongues aren't for today, it ceased mm. with the disciples or the apostles. First of all, it's not the gift of the apostles, it's the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And the Spirit never left. Like, I don't know if you read the end of the book of Acts, but it doesn't say the Holy Spirit left the earth. The Holy Spirit stayed and right. is still here. Right. He's never left, and he'll be with us until the new Jerusalem comes. But when I started speaking in tongues, Every time I hear somebody share what you just shared about their experience with tongues, it's always glorifying to God. Mm. It's always giving them a holy boldness to serve God, to worship God, to praise God. Right. I have never 
heard anybody share a testimony saying, I started, started speaking in tongues and then I really wanted to go play the Ouija board after. Right. I never, I've never heard anyone say I spoke in tongues and then I desired drugs after. Right. I never heard anyone say I spoke in tongues and it made me want to drink um, alcohol after. Every single person yeah. that has this, whether you in the chat believe it or not, every person that has this supernatural Holy Spirit encounter mm. draws them to Jesus. Yeah. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to glorify me. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit's job is he puts Jesus on display, glorifies Jesus. And when you begin to pray in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14 says, you're praying in words that cannot be understood by yeah. men. This is a heavenly language right. where the Holy Spirit, oh, I love that. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But when Come the on. Holy Spirit... I say when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit has a prayer meeting on the inside of you. Oh, that's the good. The Holy Spirit begins to pray out of you. Come in on. fact, the Bible says this, if you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit will make groans and utterances yeah. that you don't even understand or Amen. know. So, like, imagine you're in a place where you don't know what to pray, and we're going to, reminds me, we're going to pray for those of you in the chat tonight to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's yeah. a few thousand of you. When you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit transcends your unbelief and your doubt. Yeah. So if you're going through a trial and you go, I don't know what to pray and I'm in unbelief. If I pray right now, I'll, I'll pray in unbelief because I'm going through a trial. When you begin to pray in the spirit, the spirit prays the perfect prayers to the father. Mm. Like this, the Holy Ghost knows how to pray. Yeah. I, I said last night when I was teaching John 17, Jesus, Jesus's prayers, they get answered. Like Come Jesus on. knows how to pray. If there's anyone to look at his prayer, it's how did Jesus pray? Mm. The Holy Spirit knows how to pray, knows what to tell the Father. And so, man, what a beautiful thing when you experience that. It is so beyond. I want to say praying in the Spirit is life-changing, but it's actually not. It's eternity-changing. Ah, it, so, it so changes everything when you pray in the Spirit and you get this heavenly language. Again, many people have different uh, beliefs on this. I believe God desires everyone to pray in the Spirit. Yeah. Paul said, I want all of you to pray in the Spirit or, or to speak in tongues better. I should be yeah. correct here. But in that, he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, there's the, uh, tongues. There's 1 Corinthians 14. There's a personal tongue. The Bible says pray in the Spirit to build yourself up. Mm. So there is a difference. And even if you look at, just a side note here, if you look at the gift of tongues, it's actually called different kinds of tongues. So if you look at 1 Corinthians where it lists the nine spiritual gifts there, it says different kinds of tongues. So there's not just speaking in tongues with an interpreter. There's also praying in tongues. There's unknown languages. There's heavenly tongues with an interpreter. So a lot of people get stuck with, well, you need to have an interpreter. But not always, because yeah. in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, when I'm praying in, I don't, praying in tongues, I don't know what, or I'm speaking in tongues, I don't, no one understands it but God. Right. So I think people are missing it. There's such a beautiful gift that you can get tonight where you can pray in the spirit, you can pray in tongues. Mm. And for me, like most of my prayer life is praying in tongues. So talk to me about, I want to pause really quick here. I don't want to skip too far ahead. You guys are praying every day. Yeah. Talk about that because I experienced this too. When I got saved, I was partying every day. I was in the world every day. I wasn't right. half time in the world. Then when I got saved, pastors were telling me, you don't need to pray that much. You don't need to be excited. You don't need to shout. Like the world wasn't watering the gospel down for me. Pastors were. They're were like, it's wow. too much. It's too much prayer. And in my mind, I'm like, how could you? I was thinking like, we used to party all the time. Why wouldn't we pray all the time? And we yeah. were having literally 24-hour prayer meetings. We were working like I was at Starbucks. My buddy was at Roundtable. My other buddy was a manager in and out. We were all just working like young jobs, 18, 19, fast food in yeah. college. And everyone would get off their work at different times and just come to my house. It wasn't like we're going to invite you to prayer. It was a culture of 24-hour prayer. And I want to prophesy to some families, God is going to bring back 24-hour prayer to families. Come on now. God is going to bring back eight-hour prayer meetings. God is going to bring back 12-hour prayer meetings. I get emotional talking about it because I remember being, man, I get all emotional, but being 
barely saved in my living room for 10 hours a day praying. Mm -hmm. And just this awe and this wonder of, man, God is so real. There's nothing... Me, I'm I'm in prayer and I'm searching for God. I'm I'm searching out God. I'm searching the deep things of God. And yeah. those is crazy. I can't explain it in words. This awe and this wonder of God. Yeah. And I just found out about Him. Yeah. Like I just found out about Come this. In you know now me and you were 10, 12, we're a decade in, and we're like we know so much about God, and you lose that awe and wonder. Yeah. You lose that edge you have. And some of you, I want it back too. Mm. But God's going to bring back that awe and wonder of being hours and hours in prayer. Hallelujah. Just worshiping and crying out to God. And I used to remember praying thinking like, at any moment an angel is going to show up. Or I don't know, maybe Abraham will show up. I just had this <laughs> crazy, you know, this, you have this crazy faith to yeah. believe that God can like fill the air in your tire. Crazy and faith. then you get where we're at where it's years of ministry and you've seen God move and then you've seen disappointments and you you just learn how to preach and you learn all, you have so many notes and thousands of pages of notes yeah. and you lose that edge, you lose that awe and wonder. And so, man, I'm like, Lord, as you're sharing tonight, I'm just getting a hunger to go back to that secret place of, yeah. an, of an angel can show up at any moment. Because now right. when I pray, honestly, it's, it's and I hate even saying this, but I want to be vulnerable. It's very sanitized. Yeah. I know how to pray. Right. I'm like, this is how I should pray. These are who I should pray for. I pray in the spirit. But I think I've lost that awe and that wonder. Man, I get so emotional thinking about it. Mm. I sometimes watch my old preaching and I'm like, who is that guy? Like, Same I want to be that oh, guy. Yeah. Or I listen to old testimonies of me in the house and I'm like, Oh, I like that guy. Mm. Who, where'd that guy go? And and we get so professional that we become like this professional version. I'm just like, Lord, this last week I was, I don't know if it was like an old clip from the house I saw on YouTube. Something happened where I was, I was seeing an old clip of me when I was just saved. And I was just crazy, bro. Like I didn't talk, I was, I was out of this yelling and super fast. Like this is slow compared to how I used yeah. to be. And I was just like, man, I want to be that guy again. How is it that I've been saved for thir almost 13 years? And I'm looking back at my early days going, I want to be that guy. So I think there's something about you sharing tonight mm -hmm. of bringing us back to that first love going, I, I want to be like that guy 12 years ago yeah. that didn't care about heresy hunters or social media or what is the pastor going to think or all these friendships I have now that I try to maintain. So I have to be careful if I say this, it, this might affect this yeah. person and this. And now I'm like, man, I, I thought today, just today, I was like, I want to just take the sword out again, bro. I want to go John the Baptist style and just take out the blade and start cutting people up with the word yeah. because we lose that, that boldness and that. So talk to me. I know I went way off on a rabbit trail, but I just no, felt the good. Holy Spirit on that. Talk to me about these all day prayer meetings, like, yeah. and that awe and that wonder you had. In the yeah, but the thing is, and I love what you said, that awe and that wonder, and it's the fire of first love. Yes. People yes, have abandoned the it. first love and it's no longer burning in their heart. And we just become casual, you know, casual believers don't produce power, mm. you know, and, and I just think that prayers is valuable to God, you know, and I think when you, Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Mm. Like we need to, the fire of God will fall on those who are hungry and thirsty. So the more we pray, the more we read the word of God, the more we're going to become hungry. And I just think, man, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, the rest of the world loses its flavor. Mm. I mean, you just want to be with him all the time. And, and man, I'm guilty of that too. I'm just like, man, God, the past two weeks, I find myself scrolling on yes. YouTube and watching, you know, recommends videos for you to watch. And I'm just clicking everything that's fresh. And I'm like, man, how, I'm missing out on the things that God could be speaking to me Come in on. prayer. I'm missing out on peace and joy and, and everything that's just beneficial to us through prayer and in the secret place. I think it was Leonard, um, 
Ravenhill who said the secret to praying is praying in secret. Yes. No, a praying person will stop sinning and a sinning person will stop praying. And I just think those of you who are bound to sin, those of you who are struggling with just the same cycle you've been going through for so many years, get into the secret place of prayer. You know, I tell people prayer is our passport to spiritual power. Come on. You know, and we were praying just through the night, putting on worship. It got to the point where my sister, she was staying with us at the time, and uh, I remember one night she came down and she opened up the door and she asked if we could uh, pray for her and if she could pray with us. And and uh, I said, absolutely. She came on down and she actually was believing God for a home, her and her husband. And she was looking at a few homes and I remember the Lord speaking through me to her saying, do you not know that I could match any price? I, I remember that word. Mm. And the next morning, actually it was, it was already like one or two o'clock in the morning. She was like later that morning, she got a call getting approved for the home and like God spoke to her down there. I mean, it was just so many things happened and it was just a joy yeah, and a fire and and just this fresh desire of like, God, I don't want to leave this place. I I actually was convinced at one moment there's going to be like a portal and I was just going to go to heaven. <laughs> Come I was on. like, the chariots are coming. This is it. If I step, if I step right over there, I'm going to be gone, Adam. You know, like yeah. they got to that point. I was so lost in God and it was just so beautiful. So, so that's what like catapulted me mm. into where I am today. I mean, I went out, I was telling everybody I came across about this man that I had encountered in my basement. And it resulted in so many people getting saved. Atheists. So God shows up in your basement. Now you're starting to share with everybody, everybody. about what God has done. Yeah. I, there was this and what pastor. is your parents thinking? What is the people at church thinking? Your friends, I, obviously, like, wait, a week ago, you were no, had no interest in God. Now you're telling everyone. Well, what did everyone's response when you Yeah, well, they sharing? saw a huge transformation. Because mind you, if we rewind a little bit, I was always getting suspended from school. Okay. I was always in, in school suspension. I was just a class clown. The, my dean always calling my mom, teachers calling my mom. My mom actually said one time, are you ever going to call me and tell me something positive about my son? <laughs> like, this is just too much. They try to put me on like a some type of pill to get me to focus, saying I had a learning disability because I was I was just so anxious, moving everywhere, doing the moonwalk to the garbage can, <laughs> like just in the middle of class. Like, I mean, I just was a clown and stealing Reese's from the cafeteria, you know, just all this stuff. I just was a clown, and and everyone saw the transformation. They were like, whoa, this is... And that's how you know God is real. Come on. When somebody who is so far off, or somebody that's just living a lukewarm life, now they're on fire for God. Yes. And they no longer want to live the life they were living before. They no longer want to go back to what they were doing before. They just want... They want what God wants for them. They 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 want to just serve God, love Him, obey Him, please Him all the days of their life. And so my mom, she, obviously, she was like, man, the more prayer, the better in my house. So pray as long as you want, as much as you want here. And they just were amazed. Um, they were just giving me great godly counsel. There was a pastor by the name of um, Jermaine at Cheatham, and he was over the evangelism ministry at the time. Um, and God highlighted me to him. And showed him this evangelistic anointing on my life that I didn't know was there. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And so I just felt this random uh, feeling to call him. Didn't even know him. Just wow. saw him at church. I got his number. And I literally just contacted him. And I had no, no idea what the Lord spoke to him about me. So he said, yeah, come on by, by my house. So I, I arrive at his house. Um, we get in his car. We go to Walmart. And I remember him getting a grocery card and he's putting milk and bread. I literally thought he was grocery shopping for his family. I'm on my phone and the next thing you know it, I see him casting out devils in the Walmart aisles. Wow. Praying for the sick Come on. in the aisles of Walmart. 
And I, I cringed so bad inside because, mind you, I was bold. I wanted to talk to people about Jesus, but I was like, my heart was racing because I'm like, dude, I don't know if we could do this here. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're not supposed to touch the lady on the head. Like, she just fell over. We're going to get sued. In war. This is bad. And he just was like, you're next. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm next? You're going to deliver me next? He's like, he's like, you're going to talk to the next person. And I was so like, just nervous. Like I had received this boldness, but I was just nervous because I had never done that before. So um, he pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I just remember talking to the person. I'm stuttering because it was just so fresh and new to me. And all of a sudden I'm hearing the voice of God about this person, what they're going through, this season that they're in, the pain in their body. And next thing you know, people are crying they're receiving healing. I remember this lady, um, she was deaf in one ear. She received healing in her ear. She's going crazy in, in the Walmart. I got kicked out of Walmart. I'm like walking out like, Jesus owns all that there is. <laughs> Come on. You, know? so, you can't kick me out. God owns this place. You can't kick me. So it was just so many testimonies like that. The momentum just kept building. I remember being in an aisle and this Muslim man was there and I just started telling him about Jesus. And he obviously was a Muslim and he rejected Jesus as the son of God. He's there with his three children. And I just remember feeling this wind, like this, it was holy. That's all I can, it was something that can not just be explained, but experienced. I mean, mm. I felt this breeze just sweep past us. And after I'm literally kind of almost arguing with the guy, he's, he just looks at me and his eyes get real big. When we both felt that breeze, I said, my God, did you feel that? And he literally, I'm not, this is not a joke. He went from rejecting Jesus as the son of God to confessing him as a son of God. Wow. Sometimes we don't even need to, when God shows up, there's nothing else needed. To, yeah. We don't need to see, uh, uh, say anything else. He just, he knows how to reach people where they are. So I remember the power of God hit this man. His children were like amazed and he just kept saying, I feel hot. My body's hot. And just encounters like that, man. This lady in the next aisle, she went there. I said, ma'am, I just feel led to pray for you. And she said, uh, yeah, I have pain in my neck. And I said, oh, man, well, I'm going to pray for you, and I just believe God's going to heal you. And I just remember, man, in this moment, just being so fresh, like with this encounter with God in my basement, having this zeal, this passion, this boldness. And I said, I'm going to lay my hands on your neck, and God's going to touch you right now. And she's like, okay, I, I actually came here to get neck cream for my the pain. <laughs> I said, well, it's about to leave right now. So I remember laying my hands on her neck. And I didn't even get a full sentence out. I said, Father, in Jesus' name. She was like, ah! And I was like, what happened? She's like, I, I feel heat in my neck. I feel heat in my neck. I said, my God, that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. She said, the pain is gone. Wow. The I said, "Wow." I said, do you want to know what you're going to do right now? She's like, I'm going to put that neck cream right back on the shelf. Come on. I said, you don't need that anymore. So that's what just happened to me. It was, it was probably over the course of seven months Every, literally every day on the streets, in grocery stores, at gas stations, just hearing the voice of God about people. And I'll just take out my phone and I just felt this, this urge to provoke believers to action, to rise above apathy and complacency and just go out and witness to people because you've never truly found Jesus unless you tell others about him. Wow. You know, the Great Commission is not a great suggestion. Like, we're all called to witness. Some people may, you may be on here right now saying, man, I just feel like that's not my thing or that's not the job for me. No, it's the job for every believer. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you're anointed to proclaim the good news. You don't need to be a theologian to tell your coworker, your, your family members, your neighbors, strangers about Jesus. Just open up your mouth. He's put his words in your mouth. And I've learned this, bro. It's not a responsibility for others to accept the truth, 
but it is our call to ensure they have a chance to accept the truth. Wow. And man, I just remembered going live and I was telling everybody about these testimonies and God was just breathing on them overnight. My brother from Florida would call me and say, did you see what happened to your Facebook? I'm like, no, what happened? Five million views. Like the thing was just gaining traction and God was just getting the word out there and just letting people know, like, I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you're out witnessing for months. You're casting out demons, praying for the sick, evangelizing in Walmart or wherever you're going, everywhere you're going. And then you start filming it and it starts going viral. But at the time, what year was this? It was 2000. End of 2016. Okay. So at that time today, guys, this was way before TikTok today. Videos are, I don't want to be like rude, but like they're super easy to go viral. You post and a lot, everything goes viral now pretty much because everyone's online. At that time, no one was really online at that level. Yeah. And viral videos, I'd never even heard of a viral. Like, I didn't know anyone that went viral. It was just mm. something that didn't happen. It had to be very special. You go on Facebook. What is the video for those that didn't see? Are you just showing the people? Are you just talking? How are your videos getting 5 million views? And then I want to know, what are you thinking when you're seeing these videos go? Again, back then, 5 million was like 50 million today just because wasn't the way it is now. Yeah. But what what is some of the process of like going from being nobody knows you to now you have this crazy notoriety from sharing and testifying and doing witnessing to people. Like, what, what was that like? It was crazy. Well, it's funny you say that word um, because I was in Colorado and a man of God uh, told me, he, he was prophesying over me and he said, you're going to go from obscurity to notoriety overnight. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? What, I literally went on Google and I searched up the definition of what that word like meant. Like notoriety? I, I genuinely didn't know what the word meant. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? No, there's <laughs> no way. Like, I don't see myself like that. There's, yeah, no, that's not happening. And uh, a few days later, I went home and I just, I was in a parking lot just talking. And I shared a testimony of this lady getting getting healed of cancer uh, the night before. I was, it was a buddy of mine. I was at his uh, father-in-law's house. His in-laws are divorced. Um, his mother-in-law lives in Arizona. And his father-in-law didn't believe in healing. And God healed his back. He's going crazy. The Holy Ghost breaks out in the house. His in-laws, um, sister-in-laws, and another person got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he just says, Matt, could you pray for my mother-in-law? Uh, she has cancer. Um, they found a, The doctors found a tumor in her colon. I said, where is she? He's like, that's when he, she told me she's from Arizona. I said, get her on FaceTime right now. He gets her on FaceTime. And um, there's a night before I went live. And a few days after that, that man of God prophesied that over me. And I remember watching that FaceTime call. Everybody was huddling around the phone, and she just starts crying. And I said, ma'am, I'm just going to speak to this cancer to leave your body in Jesus' name. And I remember, man, with the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, I just spoke to that. I said, cancer is an invasion of, of your body. It is not a part of your identity. And I command your body to respond to the name of Jesus. And she said she felt heat only in the area where the tumor was. Mm. And I said, well, I listen, I can't see what's inside of you, but I'm believing you're healed in Jesus' name. That was on a, on a Sunday night. Monday morning, I'm at work, and my friend Gio texts me, and he says, Matt, you're not going to believe this. I said, what happened? He said, my mother-in-law, when she went to sleep that night after you prayed for her, she felt something get pulled out of her body. And little did we know, the next morning, she had a follow-up appointment for the cancer. And she said she went to her appointment, and the doctor said, they can't find the cancer. It's gone. Wow. So I had this vision of me being in a parking lot just sharing this on live. So after work, I just went to our church parking lot, and I took out my phone, and I went live sharing the testimony. And I said, man, be encouraged today that God still heals. God still saves. God still delivers. And I'm just telling people, like, 
how that cancer got cancer and died by the power of God. And it just went, I think that video got like 100 million views. I mean, it was That's wild. crazy. So just in a parking lot, just full of passion, full of love for Jesus, and just testifying of his goodness and his power. That's so good. I feel like a lot of times in our early days, I, man, I, I'm just thinking, you're making me think of so many memories of when I first got saved, the things I would believe God to do and believe God for. And it seems to be, and maybe you could speak about this as well, why is it that after we're saved a while, we lose that faith to believe that God can do anything? I think mm. even now, and again, I'm being very vulnerable tonight on even praying now, I pray and go, I know God can heal. I believe it. I've preached it. I've seen God heal over and over. Undeniable. Yeah. No, I have no doubts. I don't ever pray and go, I don't know if God's going to do it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I always believe, Lord, I know you can heal. I've seen you do it before. What you do for one, you do for another. I quote, you know, Psalms 103, Mark 16. I'm quoting all the verses. Yeah. I believe it. But there's not that, like I said earlier, that edge, that boldness, that there's zero question in my mind. And back then, I didn't have no theology. I didn't know any of the verses. I just knew, well, God heals. I've yeah. seen him do it. And you believe. But something happens where we lose that that boldness mm. and we lose that, like even me and you now, like let's just be honest, we'll go get sushi or go get food and yeah. we might see a sick person and we're like, we're too busy sometimes talking about our social media, how big our pages are that the sick person walks right by. Mm. Like think about how crazy that is. Yeah. We're sitting there like, oh, whatever. We don't even think to pray for them. In our early days, we didn't have a platform. We didn't have social media. We were no one. No yeah. one recognized us. We would probably be like, dude, we just got saved. That lady's sick. Let's go pray for her. Yeah. It's like weird how being a Christian, I think one of the things is we get dis we see disappointment or we see God not do things. Yeah. One thing I tell people is when you're praying for the sick, don't ever build a case against God. Mm -hmm. If you're coming for prayer, don't say, well, last time I got prayer, I didn't get healed. Last time I got prayer, I didn't get delivered. Last time, and some of you tonight are going to say this. We're going to pray for you tonight, and you're going to say, well, last time I didn't get tongues. And you literally start the prayer. Instead of building a case for God, you build a case against God. Wow. So tonight, don't build a case against God. Don't say, well, last time God didn't heal. Last time God didn't deliver. Last time God didn't save. Because God can do it again. And I really mm. think, Matt, we need to go back to initial First got saved. I remember when I first got saved, I was working at Starbucks. I called my mom. I'll never forget this in the back. And I said, Mom, the world's ending. I need to quit my job. And I literally, I, I'm not kidding, Matt. I thought that I was going to quit my job that day. I told my mom I wanted to do this. And this sounds so weird. I don't even know where I got this. It's so dumb. I wanted to put on a potato sack. Like I wanted to wear a potato. I don't know why. I thought, I thought like, I thought like the Old Testament prophets were like potato sacks. So I pictured like John the Baptist in like a wool potato sack. So I'm like, I'm gonna go buy. I was even thinking like, where could I buy a potato sack? Like I'm gonna go buy a potato sack and I'm just gonna put it on. And I thought in my head, I'm gonna go in front of Walmart and just tell everyone the world's ending, like in a oh potato sack. So I call my mom like. Mom, I'm telling Jared, that was my boss. I'm telling Jared right now, I'm quitting. I'm going to get a potato sack. I'm going to go in front of Walmart. The world's ending. I have no time. And my mom, of course, was like, you know, you need to calm down. Don't get a potato. The world's not ending. Just okay. just see what God Don't has to that say. Potato sack. Yeah, so then I prayed, and, and the Lord was like, okay, stay there at, at Starbucks and witness to people there. But my point was, there's just this, like, crazy, you have no boundaries. You're yeah. willing to pray for anyone, do anything. What yes. are some of the reasons why? I know you talked about lukewarmness. You talked about compromise. I would say discouragement is a huge one. Not seeing God move. You just go like, well, maybe God's not going to do it. There's people watching and they want to pray for the sick. They want to step out and minister. Like we all want to. I want to see it. I want to go right now yeah. and go find someone to pray for. But we just don't do it. Like, Matt, why are we not doing this? Why are we so complacent? Even yeah. though we know we want to do it, 
what are some of the things why you see people not willing to step out? Or what are some of the areas of your life where you've maybe gone back into some complacency and you mm. look back and go, Lord, I want to be like that guy that I saw on Facebook. Yeah. Like I say, I see myself preaching. I'm like, I like that guy. Yeah. I want to be him again before all these thoughts in my head of what is the pastor going to think? What if I, like, yeah. I want to go back. What are some of the things you feel like have got us out of that place of prayer, out of that place of like just wanting to go out and do the work? Yeah, well, people are afraid of what can go wrong. Mm. Instead of getting excited about what can go right, it's good. Uh, they don't look for the opportunities. Uh, they're filled with fear. They're afraid of offending people. Um, they don't want to be offensive to their religion or what they believe. Uh, to when, the person they're ministering to. Yes. Okay. And when in reality, it's like it, it doesn't matter what they think. There is only one way to heaven. And I, I'm not going to stand before God and him show me that moment like I could have told them the truth. Wow. And that could have been somebody's last day. Tomorrow's not promised to no man. And so I just believe that uh, we need to look for the opportunity and just believe that the whole, that's something I love about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is he's the one who arranges the meetings that's between good. a sinner and a, a soul winner. He's the one who arranges the meeting between somebody who may have gone astray and somebody who's walking with the Lord. And so we have to look for the opportunities, get over our fears, and and just know that God is with us. He goes before us. And honestly, I guess the reason why even at times where I would be kind of um, hesitant to share my faith with somebody is because that person looks intimidating. Mm. And and if I can be real, most of the time, that person that looks intimidating is the main one that is the most receptive. Yes, so yes, come on. So you would be surprised at if you, if you just move beyond your boundaries, you cannot grow your faith inside of your comfort zone. So when you get out of your comfort zone and just go after it, you would be surprised at how that person has had a bad day and they're like, man, this is what I was just praying a few moments ago. If you're God, if you're real, send somebody to me, you, you would be surprised. And so I just think it's fear. Um, it's afraid of uh, what can go wrong. Uh, people not wanting to offend others and them feeling like they're not good enough. I'm not the person for the job or that's the job for the church and not realizing we are the church. That's good. You know? So, and ev evangelism is honestly, your relationship with God on display. Mm. It's, not, it's not meant for just a few select. It's honestly you just displaying your relationship with God. So do you think part of it is because people don't pray, because people don't read, because you're not making a spiritual deposit, there's nothing to withdraw. Like you're going out, you're wanting to witness, but you haven't even filled yourself. You haven't even read your Bible. You oh, have, so, so there's good. no confidence. But it's so good because if you're not close with Jesus, how are you going to lead anybody there? Mm. You can't lead people to where you've never been. Good. So we've got to focus on our relationship with Jesus and get filled with him. Otherwise, we're going to have nothing to pour out. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I've noticed, uh, even myself, if I can be real. Um, I used to <laughs> witness to so many people on planes, and now I'm just, I sleep on planes. That's what I'm saying, you know? dude. Yes. Like, and you're busy. You're too busy now. We're too we get busy. too busy for God. We get too busy working for God that we stop working for God. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And we justify it and say, well, I'm a preacher. I'm called to preach to the church. But the Bible says we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. We've lost that urgency. Yes. You know, Paul says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I think we need an urgency uh, really back in the church. Like, Time is running out. God, God is coming back again. Jesus is soon to return, and uh, and the devil is not playing fair, man. He's mm. out to steal, kill, and destroy he, this antichrist agenda in the earth, man. And people are on their way to hell. And the crazy thing is, every morning we wake up, the devil's he studies our weaknesses. He's after your marriage, after yeah. your health, after your ministry, after your businesses, after your family, and yet we're still scrolling. 
We're still scrolling. We're still living for ourselves, doing what we want. And man, that's when we have to just, we got to rise above the things that hold us back. We have to make it a habit of choosing the things that move us forward over the things that hold us back. Mm. And once we develop that habit and have this urgency and even just pray, God, infect me with a love for the lost. I want to bleed for the lost. And then you'll go out. You'll be surprised. Ask for divine appointments. You said this one time years yeah. ago. I'll never forget in a sermon uh, you preached. You said, I believe we have multiple divine appointments every single day. Yeah. And we're passing them up. Yeah, I think one of the... Um I give like these 10 tips or, or steps to witnessing or how to witness. And one of them is look for divine appointments. So God is setting up appointments for you. If you're, think about this. If you're God's worker, which I'm going to give you a couple verses here to prove to you guys you are, put these in your shepherd bag. If you're God's worker, if you're God's employee, in Matthew 28, when Jesus sent them out to do the Great Commission, most people don't realize the Great Commission was the co-mission. Like mm. it's very simple. It's right there in the word. Co-mission put together as commission. Right. So who's our co-worker? Who's the person working with us? If any of you, well, most of you work, the worst thing at work is working with an employee you don't like. I remember working at Starbucks and I'm like, you look at the schedule and you see multiple people that you just really don't care for. Yeah. And you're like, this is going to be a long day because I'm, I'm my coworkers are not people that are helpful. They're not going to make the drinks right. They have a bad attitude, whatever it is. I want to do my best when I get to work. So I have, I have coworkers. I'm like, ah, I don't really like these coworkers. I don't really want to do this. Who's our coworker? The Holy Spirit. Jesus. These are our co-workers in the Great Commission. Yeah. So he's not hes not the doer, he's the helper. The mm. Holy Spirit's job is to help us do the work. And a lot of people, Matt, are sitting here going, I never experienced the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you never need him. Like, you don't need him. <laughs> Why would, How are you going to experience the Holy Spirit? You never pray for the sick. You don't cast out demons. You don't read your Bible. Wow. All the things the Holy Spirit steps in when we open the vacuum up of reading the Bible. Where, the, where does the Holy Spirit step in? He leads me into truth. Hmm. Casting out demons. Where does the Holy Spirit step in? He's the authority that drives those demons out. Jesus said, in, in the, there's a finger, the Spirit of God that drives out demons. He yeah. said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, yeah. then who do you? So we cast out demons by his finger. We read the Bible with the Holy Spirit. We pray for the sick. What does the Holy Spirit do? He heals them. Right. But if we're not ever opening up the door for the Holy Spirit to show up, and then we're like, I don't know why I never encounter the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I know why. Because you don't do anything. Right. We're all sitting around doing nothing, <laughs> expecting God to just blow our minds. Isn't that crazy? And I say this over and over. We give God a handful of sticks and say, why don't I have a log cabin? And God's like, give me something to work with. Right. Like You're not giving me anything to work with. And so I think if we put ourselves, understand, okay, I'm on the commission. I'm on the great co-mission. I'm partnering with God. He's my coworker. He could get the job done. Now, if God, I'm working for God, I'm Christ's ambassador, which I'm going to show you guys this here. If you scroll down a little bit, Nico, I'm Christ's ambassador. I'm working with them as a coworker. I'm going to have appointments every single day. God's going to set these up for me. Mm. And I want to show you this in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18. Look what it says. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So that means every single person, there's 2,500 watching, every single person watching has been given a ministry and the ministry is called the ministry of reconciliation. But so look good. what it says here, that God was reconciling with him, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he's committed the mess, commit, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look at this though. This is 2 Corinthians 5.20, look at this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Yeah. So Matt, we are literally the representative. This is why when pastors are like, who do you think you are to cast the devils? I'm like, uh, Christ's ambassador. Who do you think you are to heal the sick? Uh, Christ's ambassador. Who do you think you are to shout and preaching and call people like that out of their sin? Well, I'm literally Christ's 
I didn't say this. Paul did. Get mad at him, not me. Yeah. I'm God's ambassador on the earth. But here's Come the on. best part. Look at this. At the end of verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. As though God, and some translations say God himself, but let's just go here. As though God were making his appeal through us. Mm. Paul says, you are literally, you've been given a ministry that's of reconciliation. So that means I'm called to reconnect people that have been disconnected from the Father. Because yeah. the, the, this is what the Bible says. All of us have are at war with God, the, God the Father. We all, none of us can reach him. We are all at war. There's no way to get to him. The mm. only way in the Old Testament was through uh, the high priest once a year. So we only knew about God through the names of God. That's why mm. if then you look at the New Testament, we don't see all these Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah yeah. Nisi. We don't see those in the New Testament. Here's why. The Old Testament, the names of God are revealed, which characterize the nature of the Father. Mm. Jesus comes, as John 1 says, the word of God, yeah. the word of the Father. Jesus reveals who God is, the Father, to people. And that's why in John 17, Jesus says, if you've seen me, whatever I say, Father, everything you said, I said. Everything you did, I did. The work you gave me, this is his last prayer. The work you gave me, I gave them. I showed them who you were. Mm -hmm. And he says, my disciples know you because they know me. So his whole thing is this. No one knew who the Father was. He was shrouded in mystery. Jesus comes, reveals the perfect, complete nature of God. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus leaves and goes, oh, by the way, you're now going to be my representative, and now you Come are going to show people who the Father is. Mm. And now you, through you, Matt Cruz and Isaiah, and I'm so fired up when I say this. Come on. I'm, I'm shouting here, but now you are going to reconcile those people. And then Paul goes, he says something so crazy. He says, as though God himself were working and appealing through you. Mm. As if God himself, imagine God the Father speaking through me when I'm preaching at Walmart, calling people saying, I want you back. I want oh, relationship yeah. with you. I want, I need you. I, I want to reconcile. I've sent Jesus. When we're witnessing and ministering to people, we're literally telling them there's a way back home. You've, yeah. you've been lost. Yeah. Son, come home. There's a way back. And the, the world's like, I can't get back. I, I'm at war with God. That's why the Bible called Jesus Jacob's ladder. Come on. He's the ladder that ascends back to God. It gives mm. us, he Hallelujah. gives us a ladder to the father. Come on. And now we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So, this divine appointment idea where I, 2 Corinthians 5.18, I have the ministry. So every one of you have been given a ministry. Every, yeah, every single yeah, person watching. Yeah. If you're a believer, you've been given a ministry. What is the ministry, Isaiah? Because I, I don't have a ministry. You have a podcast. You have, um, no, no, no. You have a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. As though God himself were appealing through you. So this idea that we're just an accident. Um, and then another thing is, we don't understand our need for salvation. We yeah. don't truly know how damned we are, how bad so we good. are, and we're destined for hell. So if we don't understand our need for salvation and people's, we'll never share our faith because we don't know how good it is. Mm. I'm like, this thing is so good. I'm, I'm going to tell everyone in the chat this. You do not believe that this is good news if you haven't told anyone about it. Because mm. if you get a new car, a new house, a new job, a new career, you yeah. literally won't shut up. It's like, dude, you got that job two years ago. We all heard about it. You right. got we just tell everyone about it because it's good news. I got a new job. I got a new car. It's good news. But why is it we have the best news in human history mm. and no one knows about it? Like, think about that. We don't tell anybody because it's not good news to us because wow. we don't realize our need for salvation. So true. But when so you true. realize the benefits of salvation, which are new life, forgiveness of sin, peace with God. You know, Jesus said, I'm now going to give you peace with God. Mm -hmm. You were, think about this. Not like peace, like, oh, I could have peace when there's a car accident outside. Like, dude, when it says you get peace with God, the Bible says you were at war with God. Come on. Me and God were enemies. Come and Jesus on. goes, okay, okay. 
and, and again, I'm being facetious and I'm giving like an allegory, but Jesus goes, okay, you and God are fighting, you're at war, but I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna shake hands. Jesus goes, shake hands, I'm gonna make you guys at peace. No more war. The war's over because of the shed blood of Jesus. So good. We have peace with God? Like, dude, I don't have to be God's enemy. When I found this out, my whole world, my mind was like, wait a minute. I was at war with God for 19 years in my own vomit, my own sin. Mm. And now Jesus has peace with God, joy. That's a, that's a product of salvation. Come on. Um, hope for the future. Like I now have a hope. God's presence is now in me. Like, bro, I'm, I'm so fired up. Right, you're a preaching the pure gospel. If you're gospel. listening and you're not a Christian, what are you honestly doing with your life? Yeah. Like, why would you not take this? And, and tonight we're like, it's free. It's free 99. I'm Hispanic. I love free. I'm like, it's right here. It's free 99. <laughs> it costs nothing. And, and you're just like, eh. It's, and it's like filet mignon. And I'm not even being gross. I'm not even being rude. Or the devil goes, a pile of crap. Like literally, God says, what do you want for dinner? Filet mignon. And the devil goes, I have crap. And you go, oh, I think I'll take the crap again. And I'm like, dude, you've been eating that for years. You've been in your vomit. Yeah. It, Paul literally said it was rubbish. It was garbage. Mm. Like the devil offers nothing. Come on. God offers everything. God says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And the devil comes to still kill and destroy. And you're like, uh, I think I like the still. I, I think I like getting stolen from. I think I like getting destroyed. Shh. Like that's literally what you're saying tonight. Yeah. If you're sitting here going, I don't want this God. So I know this was. I just had to preach that, that because so I think a lot of people don't realize that we have this responsibility. There's some other ones I put up here. Matt, talk a little bit about. They're, they're right here. Some of the other points. Sharing your testimony, asking questions. Give us some other tips to sharing your faith. Maybe brand new people they want to get out witness and bold. What are just some practical tips you'd give to start doing what you did? Yeah, that, yeah I just want to say that was fire. Bro. Thanks, dude. I'm we, about to clip some of we that. We needed that. I'm For sweating those who say, right are now. Bro, gonna... My armpits are sweating. <laughs> you just shared like the holy gospel. Thanks, like bro. the uncompromising gospel of Jesus Christ. And and honestly, people need to understand that, our need for salvation, mm. that honestly, it, it cost God nothing to create, but it cost him everything to redeem. It's good. We've been bought with a high price. We're not our own. And Jesus came and, and honestly to bridge the gap between humanity and God that sin created. Yes. And people need to know that. Like we're literally, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. We have access to the Father because of the price that Jesus paid. That is good news. Yes. That is good news. And so uh, just a few tips and very practical keys in how to share your testimony. I'll say first to, uh, well, let me say this first. <laughs> Go ahead. Because He's like, hold on, there's a lot of people watching. Because, let me make sure I get this right. Because people will just go out and start slapping yes. others over the head with the Bible. Have icebreakers. Mm. I like to say have a conversation before the gospel conversation. Yeah. You know, for example, if I'm in an Uber and and I want to minister to the Uber, my Uber driver, I'm not going to just go after like spiritual things with them. I'm going to yeah. say, "Hey, where are you from? Yeah, how long have you been driving for Uber? You know, break the ice. Uh, you know, laughter is the route to anybody's heart. You know, Good. make them laugh. So, break the ice. And honestly, just a few practical keys I've learned is uh, share a brief description on what your life was like before Christ. Good. Um, Talk about how God encountered you, how he opened your eyes to spiritual truth, um, and then share how it's impacted you since then. Mm. So talk about briefly how your life was like before Jesus, and then talk about how he encountered you, how the scales fell off, and then how it's impacted you. Since this happened in my life, this is where I'm at now. 
Because of this, now That's I'm full good. of joy. I'm full of peace. Like I was depressed. I was full of anxiety. I was rejected. This and that. I was in the pit of depression. Whatever it may be for you, that's how your life was like before Jesus. And then talk about how he's in, how he encountered you, and then how um, it's impacted you since. I then. love so, that. I love that. I always I always give those three steps. It's like, who are you before? How did God change you? And who are you now? Super simple. I love that you said that because these are three steps you can just remember. Every single person can share starting with their testimony. Right. Because people are intimidated. They're like, well, I don't know the theology. I don't know the Bible. What if somebody asked me a question? Friend, there was a blind man that was like, I don't know. I was just blind and now I see. Like you can right. literally just say, I don't know all the theology behind it. I just know I was lost and now I'm found and Come there's on. a way for you. So I love that sharing your testimony. Some of the questions I want to add to what you said you can ask them is, I like to say like, do you believe in the afterlife? Um, what do you think happens when you die? Yeah. Like, how do you feel about God? This is such a great way yeah, to those witness. Those are conversation starters. Yeah, you don't have to attack them. You don't have to be like, dude, you're. I could tell. I could see the fire on you now. You're gonna be burning in three weeks. Like, oh you don't have gosh. to. Yeah, people, <laughs> dude. I've been with people. I was with this guy. I don't want to say his name. No, no, it's coming your way. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say his, his name. But he was a big time evangelist guy, and he was. We were at dinner right after the service, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna show you how I witness to people." And I was like, "Okay, we're at dinner." And he literally was like telling the waiter, like, do you know that right now, if you died, you'd be going to hell? Like, you'd be burning. He starts going on this whole sermon on hell. In my mind, I'm like, okay, yes, we warn about hell, but there's a way to do it. You don't start with like, I could see your hair singed because you're, you're going to burn. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, he just goes, he went, it was so oh crazy. It was so cringe. I'm like, dude. Yeah. He's like, I can literally see you now burning. I'm like, bro, no. Like, like, no, you need to go in. smoky in the back. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're, you're like, yeah, you see back there at Applebee's, you're going to be on that grill. It's like, we could literally. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll, just work in hell. Yeah, we have, to, we have to literally approach it with, hey, what do you think about the afterlife? Like, put their guard down, ask them questions, and then give them a gospel presentation. I would even say, like, yeah. are you fulfilled in life? Like, if you ever. That's so good. I always say this because I, I know everyone's felt this, so I, I know I could talk to them. I say, hey. Have you ever been like where you're just after the party, after the whatever, you lay in bed? Every single person in history has done this. Mm. And I say, and you laid up in bed and you looked up to the ceiling and you thought like, there has to be more to life. I tell people like, have you ever felt that? And they're like, yes, I felt that. I'll, I'll, I want to tell you about what that more is. Like there's a void so in you. Good. There's an empty hole. You don't start with like, dude, you're going to be deep fried. Like <laughs> you have to start with, hey, there's a void in all of us. I know you feel like something's missing. We all felt that. This is how I felt. What do you think about God? Were you raised in church? Yeah. I love these conversations because then you're able to share the gospel with, I start with sharing my testimony. I was this, now I'm this. God really changed me. Because no one can say, well, that's false. That's not right. I don't believe that. It's like, dude, that's my story. How are you going to tell me I yeah. wasn't addicted? And it puts their guard down because I'm it not, does. nothing tastes good shoved down your throat. Mm. That's a word. That's a that, one-liner. That'll preach right Literally there. Literally nothing. So it doesn't matter if it's the best sushi, the best flaming mignon, the best chicken in the world. If I get it, on a fork and go open your mouth put your head back and shove it down your throat it does not feel good it tastes back. good so the gospel shoved down your throat in that way even the guy sharing here's the thing about the guy sharing everything he said was true everything mm. they were going to go to hell hell was real got all the stuff he said was real but the way that he shoved it down their throat and freaked them out wasn't the right way to do it mm. so i think there's a way to approach it and 
don't cheapen the gospel because yeah. I'm raw. I'm like, it, it's going to cost you everything. It's not a sinner's prayer. It's literally your whole life. You're going to have to pay. I tell people that. I'm like, it's, I, I gave everything up. Like, yeah. I go full on, don't ever cheapen the gospel. But also, we don't start with just the fires of hell. Some, some, now, if the Lord leads you, some do need that. They do. And some I have do need that. that. I needed yeah. that. I needed that. When I was in the world, I needed someone to look me in the eye and be like, dude, you're going to hell. I needed that. But, I would say use discretion. It'll work for some. For the most part, though, approach it with asking questions, sharing your testimony, bring their guards down, and then going to heaven and hell. But to start with the delivery of like, you know, you're going to hell if you don't do this right now. And then the guy, God bless him, he basically told the person like, you're going to hell. Like, there's no chance for you. If you don't do what I'm about to tell you to do, you're going to hell. So I was thinking like, this better be good because you better tell him something right. And he was just like, okay, close your eyes and repeat this prayer and then have the guy do it, the waiter. And the waiter doesn't know what he's talking about. The waiter's just like probably halfway high. He was just like, I don't know what you're saying. The guy looked like he was completely stoned, but he's like, pray this prayer. And he's like, close your eyes. And he's like, Jesus, come into my heart. And the guy was like, Jesus, come into my heart. He's like, all right, do, and he did the sinner's prayer for like 10 seconds. And he's like, you're now saved. Here's a little pamphlet and you're now going to go to heaven great to meet you. And I was like, bro, there's no cost. There's no repentance. There's no give up everything. There's yeah. no get involved in the local church. There's no, I, I won't even witness to somebody if I'm not willing to get their phone number. Mm. If I'm not willing, and I've gotten phone numbers, I have all these random numbers. They call me at night and I'm like, who are these people? Oh, I witnessed to that guy. Oh, that was the guy at the airport. Oh, that was the wow. guy. Cause I give out my number to anyone that's willing that I'm willing. If I'm not, if I'm not going to get your number or give you my number, I'm not going to witness to you. Right. Because why would I have a baby? Imagine having a baby and then just putting on the ground and be like, all right, let's see you fend for yourself. Like, why aren't you eating? Why? Yeah. But when we witness and someone's born again, we don't take responsibility and they're a newborn baby and we just leave them out there. Right. So we need to get their phone number. We need to yeah. follow up with them. Don't start going out here. Dr- Some of you are drive-by witnessing. You're just spraying every yeah. house you see, witnessing. Hey, I'm like, bro, you're hitting the bystanders. Innocent people are getting yeah. hit by the gospel and you didn't follow up. You didn't disciple them. Some of you are like, well, brother, no, no, Jesus said disciple. Yeah. He didn't say go out getting everyone to repeat a prayer. He said, go and make disciples. We have a discipleship problem. Yeah, go therefore yeah. and make disciples. So. We're not just shouting out to everyone that will listen. We're trying to disciple them. We're, if we're witnessing, we're getting their number. Go ahead and jump in here. I know I'm yeah. dominating no, the conversation so, here. So but good. I think it's necessary because we're just like, we have all these newborn babies laying around that we're like, oh, well, I got them to pray a prayer. Yeah, it's like, it, dude, it's, it's deeper. Right. It's easy to uh, track how many people have said yes to Jesus. It's a lot more harder to track if they're actually following him yes. and keeping up with him. Uh, and and dis- that's what discipleship is all about, walking with people into the kingdom together. Um, but... I love what you said about how, like, our approach with people. I think that our love should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Mm. We see so many people downtown holding signs up high, screaming, Jesus or hell. Yeah. You know, a billboard at certain places on the side of a freeway that says, repent or burn. I saw one time on the back of a truck, stop, drop, and roll doesn't work in hell. (laughs) So I'm like, that's funny, and it's true, but it's incomplete. Yeah, yeah, it's incomplete. What I've learned is that, People may hate us because of Jesus, but they should never hate Jesus because of us. Whoa, and a that's lot, a word. A lot of people have turned so many off from the gospel message because of their approach. Mm. And so the message stays the same, but our methods need to change. We need to share Jesus in a way that is relevant to our culture and, uh, and, and in a way that honors Jesus. Yes. Um, and we need to know that because methods that once worked years and years ago— will increasingly become ineffective. Mm. We have to learn how to love on people. Jesus says they will know you by your love. And now, I, don't get me wrong, there's moments where people do need to be convicted. I've been in a, a Walmart aisle before, and Pastor Jermaine, the man who mentored me and poured into me and pushed me out of my comfort zone, 
it was a group of young men who were high, and he literally rebuked them yeah. so hard, and they literally received it so well. Mm. Why? Because they probably had multiple chances, and God's like, okay, now I'm going to really, I'm going to pierce your heart yeah. with the with the word that this man's about to bring to you. So some people need it, but it's not everybody. Like we have to be careful with our approach, and uh, and honestly. And just don't hold back, man. Yeah, and Paul said some you snatch out of the flames, hating even the garments that defile them. Mm. So some you do snatch out of the fire of judgment. Others, you it's the grace and the mercy of God that brings them to repentance. Yeah. And so I think you, being led by the Holy Spirit, and some of these guys are just not led by the Spirit. And guys, those of you watching, me and Matt are both hardcore holiness preachers. We're both super radical. We're not these soft preachers out here like, oh, do whatever you want. Mm. We're just saying we got to be very careful that people are not getting turned off to God because of us. And right. I love that you said that because that happens. Okay, so a couple ways. I just want to rattle these off, and you can, if you want to tag on or whatever, to share your faith with people in person, through TikTok, through Instagram, through Snapchat. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. You could actually text your family the gospel. You can literally text somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, do you want to get lunch? Hey, I want to, I want to send you this verse. Yeah. Just go through your phone and start texting people. Start leaving yeah. voice message. Hey, I'm going to help you guys here. Look, see this thing right here that you use that the enemy just has you bound with this for you. Many of you, this is a chains and bondage. Go on this. Start going through your contacts. Go to your text message because you're like, oh, I don't want to call them. Don't call them. Go to voice text. Press record and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. Yeah. Cousin, I haven't talked to you in a few years. I just really want you to know I'm here if you need anything. I'm going to start sending you encouraging verses throughout the day. I'm praying for you. If you ever want to talk about God, you have my number. If you're ever anxious, if you're ever depressed, if you ever feel addicted, I'm here. I would be willing to pray with you. If you need anything, call me. I'm here day or night. Boom. Sent. That is so life-changing. Imagine you getting a text from your cousin you haven't talked to in years that's like, hey, I'm praying for you. No one's going to get mad. No one's going to be like, how dare you pray for me? I, I hate God. Like these little things are ways to share the gospel. Right. And then especially right now with social media, any one of you, and I'm just trying to remove all the excuses tonight. Any one of you can in five minutes, and I, I hate TikTok by the way, but let me make a disclaimer here. Any one of you can in five minutes make a TikTok, an Instagram, uh, whatever platform, and be on the app. You don't have to be scrolling on TikTok. Make videos sharing your faith yeah. and posting them and, and reach millions of people. Mind-blowing. What would Paul do with this technology? Paul's on a donkey for days to go preach to like 100 people. And you, guys, we're not utilizing it. Of course, you know, calling people. Hey, I just wanted to call and check in. Like, why are we not doing this? Starting a prayer meeting in our home. Um, going out and evangelizing in a group setting. Invite, here's a crazy one, inviting someone to church to hear the good news. Hey, do you want to go to my church? I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not really that good at presenting the gospel. Do you want to go to my church? I'll pay yeah. for you to go. I'll buy you, I'll buy you food after. Bribe them. Do whatever you have to do. But this is the one thing that you shouldn't do, doing nothing. Mm. That's the, the one thing we're doing is just nothing is the one thing you shouldn't be doing. If you catch anything tonight, do something for God, yeah. whatever that is. So, man, there's so many ways, Matt, that we could reach people. And it's like, man, we just don't do it. So I think we, we need don't to start do it. going it's out. It's because compromise. Compromise yeah. poisons our witness. Um, you, there's, <laughs> the kingdom life is not cheap. And we need to, as believers, pay the price of our convenience. Yeah. Um, it's honestly just convenience. Um, and hey, just compromise is no good, man. And you look at, there's so many people in the Bible, there's just consequences to compromise. Yes. Like David um, compromised 
God's moral standards when he had an affair with Bathsheba. Yes. Had her husband killed in battle. You know, lost peace in his family for the rest of his life. You know, Adam and Eve compromised um, their relationship with God and their obedience to the only commandment of not eating this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good mm. and evil. I mean, we could look at so many people. The, the life of Esau, he, he literally compromised. Um, he was the firstborn son, lost his birthright because he compromised for a measly bowl of stew. Mm. You know, it, uh, Samson compromised his devotion to the Lord, his vows of devotion to the Lord, over and over again, lost his sight, lost his strength, ultimately lost his life. And so compromise poisons our witness. Uh, Aaron, the brother of Moses, um, it compromised God's view of idolatry. He literally made this golden calf, and himself and those who worshipped it, they lost what? Their their um, privilege into the, the yep. promised land. Yep. And so there's so many... People in the Bible, we can see how compromise poisoned their witness and how just the consequences are no no good at all. And we can look at Peter. He he compromised his uh, relationship with Jesus. I mean, his self-proclaimed love for Christ, denied the Lord three times. Yes. Lost his self-esteem, lost his joy. Judas compromises his three years of discipleship with Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, lost his eternal home in heaven. So I just think that compromise keeps us in a place where we're never going to witness. We're never going to tell anybody about Jesus. And uh, and honestly, we just need to pay the price of our convenience. And, and some people watching today, you need to know this. The more godly you would like to become, the more you want to become more like Jesus, the higher price you're going to pay. Mm. And, and what's crazy, bro, someone needs to know this today. Your price never decreases. Wow. Every time, I mean, the next challenge gets harder. The, the criticism gets sharper. The mm. trials get ho- gets hotter. If you're not reaching your potential, know that it's always a payment issue. Mm. You're not paying the price of convenience. And uh, some of you need, you need to wake up a little bit earlier and find your mountain and be with God, you know, fellowship with God. Uh, scripture says in Luke, Jesus says, no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. To whom much is given, much will be required. And so if we're going to ask Jesus to come into our life, then we've got to rise above everything that holds us back, and we need to share our faith. We need to nurture our daily devotion with Jesus. We can't be compromising lukewarm believers any longer. That was me in the church. Mm. And, and 19 years old, worked for the police department. Almost went to the Marines and then had that encounter. God said, you're going to listen to my military. You're going to be a part of you as well. Kingdom enforcement. And from that moment, Matt died. I died to what I want, to what I feel, to what I think, so that the will and the mind of Jesus can rule in me. And so many of us men on here, you, you say, man, Jesus changes everything when your life demonstrates that he hasn't really changed anything about Mm. you. For some, your life demonstrates that you're the same as you were before Christ. And so today, I think we just need to lay down the pride, lay down our egos, and just die to ourselves. And I told somebody the other day, I said, man, I, I believe that the secret to living is dying. Mm. And we just have to die. Paul said, it's, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we just have to pay the price of our convenience, yes. know the kingdom life is not cheap, and die to uh, what we desire and really allow God to to have his way in our life. That's why so many people, and you can, you, you're a testament of this. People say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, oh, my life is not my own. Mm. I can't just I do can't. that. I can't get away with that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm different. My yeah, life must is, be nice to be able to, but I can't. Right. 
Yeah, I think a big misconception is you always are going to feel like doing it. And a lot of times, at least for me, I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like I don't feel like doing most of the stuff I do. And the difference between someone who is successful in God, because I want to make sure I distinguish this besides being successful in the world. The person that's successful for God and the person that's not is the difference is this. The person that's successful for God does it anyway. Mm. You don't do it because you don't feel like doing it. I do it anyway. I don't feel like praying, I still pray. I don't feel like reading, I still read. I don't feel like preaching, I still preach. I don't feel like going live half the time, but I still go live. I don't feel like witnessing, I still do it. I, still, I don't feel like praying for people. So the difference is I just say yes, even though my flesh wants me to say no. And this is why when the disciples fell asleep, Jesus said, you guys couldn't even tarry for one hour. And then he makes this crazy in a good way. Okay, I gotta make sure I don't say what Jesus said was crazy. It's a good crazy. He makes this crazy statement. He says, your flesh is weak, but your spirit is willing. Yeah. In other words, this is what I always think when I'm tired and weary. I, I take a deep breath and I go, there's a yes in me. There, Jesus was saying, there's a yes in you. Deep mm -hmm. down, I know you don't feel it. Your body's tired, you're in pain, you're weary. You're like, I'm sweating right now. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. But he goes, deep down, there's a yes in you. So what I do is I go, I, I go okay, I have the Holy Ghost. And I know the Holy Spirit wants to do this. Mm. I don't, Isaiah Saldivar doesn't want to preach right now. He doesn't want to do four services back to back. He doesn't want to pray, but I go, the Holy Ghost in me does. There's mm. a yes in me. So I'm going to be led by the Spirit, not the flesh. I'm going to put my flesh in a chokehold and tell him to shut up. And I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit right now. Yeah. And the more I obey the Holy Spirit, the more I want to obey the Holy Spirit. The more... I eat healthy, and I'm using an analogy because I don't eat healthy. The more I eat healthy, the more I want to eat healthy. Mm. Like I always, I look at people eating broccoli, and I'm like, I know you don't like that. I know that doesn't taste good. I like stop lying. And then people are like, No, I like the taste of. I'm like, How? They're like, Because I've I've made myself eat it. I don't even want McDonald's. Wow. They go, I don't even want Jack in the Box. What you're eating, Isaiah, that Jack in the Box grilled sourdough breakfast sandwich looks nasty to me with literally grease dripping off it. And I'm like, well, how does it look nasty? Like, because I, now that I eat healthy food, that's what I crave. Yeah. I don't crave junk food anymore. And so many of us are on a Jack in the Box diet trying to look like we're, you know, we're shopping at Whole Foods. And it's like, no, you look weak in the spirit. You look out of shape in the spirit because yeah. your diet's terrible because you're eating Instagram. I hope you're hearing me tonight. You're eating Instagram and TikTok all day and trying to look all, all swole. It's like, no, you need to get in prayer. That's why the Bible says training for physical training is good, but training for godliness is even better. Oh my and it's gosh. more valuable. So, you know, I always say like, I might be 130 pounds in the natural, but I'm 200 pounds ripped in the spirit. I'm like 2% body fat in the spirit. But my point is, my, the joke is like, in the spirit realm, I'm, I'm disciplined. I want to do it. Let me leave this last verse and I'm going to have you pray for the chat because I know we're like an hour and a half in here. Let me give you guys this last verse that will help you in every area of life. This is what the Bible calls the golden rule. And I taught my kids this. If there's one thing I tell my girls, you guys have to live by this. And every this will literally help you with every area. This is the simple golden rule. This is what Jesus taught. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Mm. This applies to Matt. You're like, why would this be a witnessing verse? If I'm lost, think about this, Matt. If I'm going to hell, if I'm going to be burning in a lake of fire forever and I don't know it and I have never heard the gospel, yeah. what would I want? There's one antidote. It's hearing the gospel and obeying yeah. the gospel. So if I'm walking, let's just say in Walmart, and I'm going to hell, what would I want? Someone to share the gospel with me. Okay. Sure. So now that's that person. Now I'm Isaiah, I know the gospel, I know the word of God, I, I have the secret, the good news in my pocket, I'm next to that guy at Walmart, 
if I was him, I want to do to him what I would want done to me if I was him. Mm. So I'm going to share with him because it's the right thing to do. Right. This goes into, okay, sick in body. If I was sick in body in a wheelchair, what would I want? I would want to be healed. Mm. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. So now if I have the power to heal, I'm going to do to him what I would want him to do to me if I was in his spot. So mm. it's just always switching spots with people around you. Saying, if I have the resources, I'm going to help people. And this applies with how you treat your wife, how you treat your kids, whether you witness or not, right. how you treat at your church, whether yeah. you're a pastor. So this bleeds into every area. The golden rule could be all the law of the prophets could be summed up in this. Doing to others as you'd want them to do to yourself, to you. And that would be the key to witnessing, the key to praying for the sick. Deliverance. Why do you cast your demons? I didn't talk about it so much because when I was demonized, I wish somebody would have done it for me. So good. When I was demonized, I remember being at college, bro. I wanted so bad to be delivered and I didn't know how to do it. So I was in my car going like, come out, screaming, and the demon's speaking out. I won't leave. And I'm like, you're going to leave. And I'm trying to self-deliver and I can't. So I go to Starbucks. I'm trying to witness and I'm growling as I'm witnessing because this demon's trying to come out of me. Oh my God. And I'm like, where am I going to go? All these churches, no one's doing deliverance. And so I thought, well, my wow. little sister invited me to church. So I told my little sister, I know you've never done this. This is a true story. I know you've never done this, but you're going to cast all these demons out of me. I said, just whenever you're ready, just command all of them to leave. And they're ready to go. And my little sister cast, I think it was like 11 demons or something that we know of, out of me right after I got saved. <laughs> And she was willing to do to me what she would want done to her. Wow. And in return, of course, I prayed deliverance over her. But my point is, in every area of life, do it for them. They, they, owe, you des they deserve this. You owe it to them. Paul even said, I'm indebted to people. Yeah. I literally owe it to them to preach. So good. I owe it to them to deliver right. them. Like, don't we owe the world this gospel? Don't we owe the world deliverance? An encounter? Come on. Don't we owe the world an encounter with God? How are you going to sit in this chat free, delivered, and healed, and selfish. Like, what are you doing? You so have good. the power, and everyone around you is in bondage, and you're like, well, I just don't know if Christian can have demon. Like, dude, who cares? Get out of that lame theology of, well, I don't know. Who cares if they have a demon, cast it out? Doesn't matter if they're Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, cat, dog, or bird. If they have a demon, cast it out. If they're sick in body, pray for them. Like, why are we talking ourselves... Theologizing, theologizing, that's a word I just made up, ourselves out of doing miracle signs and wonders. So Matt, everybody's listening and watching. We've gone long. I've, I've, I've hogged the mic tonight. Um, this is so good. Pray. Can I say something before yeah, yeah, go I ahead, pray? Go ahead, go ahead. We got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Um, because I, the Holy Spirit has brought this back to my remembrance. Um, I told you in the car earlier about my sunburn. Yes. This is crazy. Someone needs to know this today. Literally about a week and a half ago, I was in San Diego. Um, my I'm standing at my friend's wedding, and all the groomsmen went to San Diego. And I remember on Tuesday we went to the beach. We're playing beach volleyball, and it was like 67 degrees, um, breezy. I'm from Chicago, you know, so I'm like any little breeze gets me. It's like a trigger for me, and you know, I'm traumatized. I'm like, no, no. I, so I had my my shirt on and everything. I I just I was like cold, and I said, you know, I want to tan. So I'm playing beach volleyball for hours in the sun, no sunblock. No nothing. And it hit me later in the day. I got sunburned so bad. I mean, it kind of threw off the rest of the week for everybody. I mean, Zach, the one who's getting married, he got blisters on his back. Ugh. Long story short, I go home a few days later, and I, like, put Vaseline on my arms, which Google said stay away from Vaseline. Long story short, I wake up in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., and I'm itching all over my body. And I'm like, what is this? And it got to the point where I'm like, 
this is unbearable. I, I feel like I'm being tormented. This is miserable. I'm mm. going downstairs and putting ice cubes, rubbing them on my, my arms, my, where my sunburn is, on my shoulders. And I'm looking up on Google saying, what is this? And it's saying 48 hours after some receive a certain type of sunburn, you may suffer what's called hell's itch. Oh, no. And so you bad. You literally got hell's itch. Hell's itch. It says stay away from ice cubes. I'm doing everything <laughs> it's saying not to do. Don't stay away from Vaseline. I'm putting all of that. <laughs> so it just made it flare up even more. I called my mom. I felt so bad. I said, I'm sorry to wake you up. Please, you have to do something about this. This is going to speak to someone You know right it's now. bad when you call your mom. I had to You're call like, her. I said, please. She's, <laughs> do she gets, mom. She gets aloe vera cream rubbing it on my back and my shoulder. She's like, did you learn your lesson to put? I said, I don't want to lecture right now. Just put, please. So I said, Lord, this will preach right here. I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me with this? There's no way I'm going through this and there's not a sermon I'm going to get out of it. Mm. And see, those who are rooted in Christ, those who have a deep foundation in God, they ask questions differently. Mm. Those who are not rooted and don't have a deep foundation, they say things like, God, why is this happening to me? Take this from me. Why me? But those who are rooted in him, they ask questions like, God, what are you trying to teach me? Good. What are you trying to show me? And I asked that question and the Lord gave me a revelation and it's this right here. The longer I was in the sun, the longer I was exposed to the sun, it caused this itchiness. It caused me to feel uncomfortable with my flesh to where I had to do something about it. I had to take ibuprofen. I had to get cream for it. And the Lord spoke to me, said, the longer you're in me, the longer you're in the sun, the S-O-N, mm. you're going to feel uncomfortable with your flesh, with Come your on. old ways, with your old thinking, with 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 whatever the patterns of the enemy that you have in your life, you're going to get uncomfortable with it. And it caused this peeling. Look, I'm still peeling for my tan. Yeah. It caused this peeling. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, the longer you were exposed in the sun, you couldn't be in the sun for long and not start peeling. Mm. The longer you're in me, your flesh, your old man's going to start coming off you. you you're going to shed your old ways. And so, man, I just want to tell somebody, the more you remain in Christ, the more you're rooted in him, you're going to be uncomfortable with your old man and you're just going to die to yourself and you're just going to rise up and you're going to say, man, God, I want to live for you. And so I want to, what do you want me to pray for? Yeah, pray for yeah. those who, let's pray for boldness. Let's do that. Pray for those that are lukewarm. Pray for that first love. Pray for boldness to witness that same thing that happened to you, which we all know now what it was. The Holy Spirit came upon you and the Bible says that you will become bold. You'll become Acts 1-8 witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we know this because Peter went from denying Jesus to days later, he's preaching in front of all the people that killed Jesus. How did he, go, wh what happened to you, Peter? The Holy Spirit came upon him and emboldened him, gave him the boldness. Yeah. So pray that because they need that. They need the Holy Spirit boldness. Every one of you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, my pastor, I don't care what your pastor said. It's not for today. He lied to you. Okay, I just have to tell you, pastors could lie. If your pastor told you the Holy Ghost is not for today, I hate to tell you, but your pastor's a liar. He lied. It is for today. The power of God is for now. You can be Come baptized on. in the Holy Ghost and fire tonight. So pray all of those things. Just, man, I want these people to leave this broadcast tonight. Um, with that Holy Ghost boldness that you have that God gave you. Father, in Jesus' name, every person watching right now live and on the replay, I just say, God, would you infuse within them holy boldness and courage in a fresh fire, God. Give them a, a new desire for the things of God. Stir their heart toward truth. Stir their heart towards your will for their life. Give them the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, I pray today, Father, that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see. Light a fire in them, God. Set their heart ablaze in the name of Jesus. God, I pray, Father, right now, those watching, they would experience 
this same fire that we've experienced, God, that they would have that awe, that wonder, that the fire of first love would burn on the altar of their soul, Jesus, that they would just desire you like never before. And so, God, right now, I just pray for a fresh boldness even to witness, God. Stir up this evangelistic anointing on the inside of them. God, I pray, Father, that those who feel timid, those who feel shy, those who feel inadequate, would you break that off of them tonight? And God, would you give them a fresh anointing, fresh power in the name of Jesus? God, I thank you that your word says in Luke, for the spirit of the Lord is upon us because you have anointed us to preach good news to the poor. God, you've anointed us, God, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God, I thank you right now that we've got a message of release to those who are bound, God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Come on, rise up and begin to walk in your authority. Understand that, uh, uh, that you've got the power of God in you, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. Greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. So God, I pray now in Jesus' name a fresh fire from the top of their head to the soles of their feet right now. Fresh fire, fresh power, in Jesus' mighty name. Use them for your glory and your honor. May they be a vessel for honorable use, in Jesus' name. Yeah, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint them with your Holy Spirit, fill them. Those of you that need to be filled, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit. He said, ask, be thirsty, be hungry, and I will fill you. So just begin to ask him for the Holy Spirit to fill you right now. Father, I pray that you would fill every single person with the Holy Spirit and fire. Anoint them, God, right now. Touch their bodies, God. Touch their mind right now. Every foul spirit, you must go in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no power. You have no strength. The Lord rebukes you. We come against you now in Jesus' name. We pray the fire of Almighty God to rest upon you now. Be filled. You might just feel something wanting to come out of you. You need to open up your mouth and speak it out. It's not always just God's going to take over just like you have to prophesy. Some of you need to open your mouth. Now, some of you are listening saying, well, brother, you need an interpreter. I don't need an interpreter because I'm not speaking with a message. I'm praying. So if I'm praying in tongues, I don't need an interpreter. So pray in the spirit right now. We're not talking about church service order, like 1 Corinthians 14 says, where you need an interpreter. We are talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are scared. I hear the Holy Spirit saying they're scared to pray in tongues. They're scared of it. I come against that unclean spirit causing you to be scared of the Holy Ghost. I come against that unclean spirit. You should not be scared of it. You should not be afraid. This is the Holy Spirit. So I come against that spirit now that's causing you to have fear. That is a a, a spirit from the devil. Go now in Jesus' name. Come out of them in Jesus' name. Come out of them in Jesus' name. Father, fill them with the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit right now. Baptize them. For those of you that are mad about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to repent. This is biblical. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need this. If the disciples needed it, you need it tonight in Jesus' name. Fill them right now, Lord. Fill them right now, Lord, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize them, God. Anoint them, God. Boldness to proclaim your word. Fill them, God, with rivers of living water. God is not dead. God is alive. Lord, fill them with rivers of living water. Thank you, Lord. 
Anoint them, God, fill them. Satan, get your hands off them in Jesus' name. And guys, when I'm saying Satan, just so you know, I'm not talking to the devil himself. I'm talking to every representative of Satan. In the same way we come in Jesus' name, demons come in Satan's name. So when I say Satan, get your hands off them, I'm talking to every foul, every unclean spirit. I came tonight to let every principality know your reign of terror is over. Your reign of terror is over. No more tormenting them in Jesus' name. Every power and principality, we break your power in Jesus' name. The Bible says the church declares the gospel to the principalities and powers. So I declare that your reign of terror is over. You will not terrorize my family. You will not terrorize my marriage. You will not terrorize my church. I need some pastors that are bold to rise up tonight and say, devil, get your hands off my people. I'm not a hireling. I'm not weak. I'm not anemic. I'm not defeated. I got the same spirit that raised Christ in me. I'm gonna take a stand. Devil, get your hands off my kids. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Come on, chat, get bold tonight, get radical tonight. Some of you pastors, you need to repent of being soft. You're soft, you're like a jellyfish, you have no backbone. Not today, devil, we come against you now in Jesus' name. The blood is against you, the blood is against you. Father, anoint our families, anoint our marriages, release your power and your fire. Thank you, Lord, for every young person watching, I pray they will never have a testimony of darkness. They will never have a testimony of drug addiction. I thank you, Lord, that it's all about what you kept them out of, not what you brought them out of. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, anoint them and bless them right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Woo, come on, Holy Ghost. Yeah. What a night, bro. Uh. What a night, man. Thank you so much for being on. Guys, we're not getting off yet. We're gonna hang out with the chat for a little bit, but I want you guys to um, partner with what we're doing. I want to sew in to Matt significantly tonight. I want to bless his ministry. He didn't ask for anything. If you are blessed tonight, I have no problem. I will not apologize for asking so into what God is doing. If the oxen plows the field, he deserves to eat from the field. The Bible wow. says don't muzzle an ox. If not, an ox is working, imagine an ox treading grain and then you tell ox, no, you can't have any of this. We're, we're as ministers, God says, that we are to sow into other ministers. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.